Breakout Conference 2018. He is passionate about developing leaders, community builder, and with great insight to teaching and preaching of the Word of God. When you give up in faith, when you give up in your hope, when you give up in your labor, you are blocking the manifestation of the work of God. The Bible says that this is how we please God. We please Him by our faith. No man can achieve or get anything from God until you please Him by sustaining your faith. He is a father to many, leader to leaders, and a loving father and husband. The resident bishop of Action Chapel International UK and Europe. Breakout Conference 2018. With a resounding round of applause and a standing ovation, shall we welcome our speaker, Bishop Dick DeSando. Hallelujah. Let's receive the ministry of Bishop. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say an amen. amen. Put your hands together one more time. You may be seated in God's presence. Hallelujah. Lift up your right hand whilst you're seated. Say, Heavenly Father, tonight I yield myself to your liberating grace. Say, I declare every pit, every hole, containment, confinement, limitation imposed upon my life. Say, by your grace, I am breaking out. Say, I'm breaking out. Say, tonight is my night. Of divine emancipation say I lose myself by the blessing the anointing and the grace of the Most High say I claim all rights all benefits all privileges in the covenant I have with my God say tonight let the blood of Jesus speak favorably on my behalf in Jesus' name, shout an amen to the Lord. Give the Lord a rousing clap in the house tonight. Tonight is a night of release. Oh, amen is anemic. I said tonight is a night of release. Amen. And you, you've got to be hungry for the release. You, you, you've got to will God. To grant the release you need tonight. Amen. And I pray that some things will be released into your destiny tonight. Amen. But guess what? You got to do the work. Yes. I'll coach you, I'll lead you, I'll guide you, but you will claim it. Amen. You'll place a demand upon it Amen. through the vehicle of prayer. Amen. You will lift up your voice and claim what belongs to you and speak into things and and lose things that must be a blessing into your life say amen. amen and if one thing must come out of this conference it must be that by the time you leave here not only have you released some things but you'll leave with an anointing as i was coming the spirit of god ministered something to me for tomorrow and, and i'm believing god for traction on that so i can i can get it together so that tomorrow we'll go to a different impartation but tonight, I want us to come to a place of release. There are certain key people in your life who must be released. Yes. And one of the things that Lord told me to release tonight was scary. Is it scary? Yes. It was scary. I said, Lord, are you sure? Then he reminded me of something I told you yesterday. I said, yes, sir. You're in control. And so some of the things we'll release tonight may be a little unorthodox. But let's do it. And trust God that there is a purpose for it. Put your hands together for the Lord. Tonight. 
help me with the sound because I, I don't like the strain when it comes to preaching. Amen. Look with me to the night tonight to the book of Job, the thirteenth chapter. Job <clears throat> chapter number thirteen. And I'd like for us to look at verse 15 in particular as we prepare ourselves for, yeah, that's good, as we prepare ourselves for tonight, amen. Job 13, verse 15, I'm gonna read it from three different versions. I will read the King James Version, I'll read the New King James Version, and I'll read the Amplified Version, see, and amen. Job 13, verse 15 says in the King James Version, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. But I will maintain my own ways before him. Say an amen. amen. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. But I will maintain my own ways before him. In the New King James Version of Job 13 verse 15, it says, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Even so, see, even so, I will defend my own ways before him. In the Amplified Version, it says, I do it because though he slay me, yet will I wait for and trust him, and behold, he will slay me. I have no hope, nevertheless, I will maintain and argue my ways before him, even to his face. Say an amen. amen. I want us to see, Job was a man who, who was accustomed to setbacks. You want to talk about I want to speak today briefly about uh, from setback to comeback. I, I want to try to deposit something in you that even though there has been a setback in life, you can come back. And when you come back in God and God's way, you always come back better. Oh, give the Lord a clap in the house. You, you got to help me tonight preach so that I can, I can deposit some things in you. Say amen. amen. And so in the King James Version, the scripture says that though you slay me, yet I will trust in you, but I will maintain. Say maintain. maintain. Say I will maintain. He said I will maintain my ways before him. In the New King James Version, instead of maintain, he said I will defend. Say I will defend. Say it again. In the Amplified Version, in addition to maintaining, he said I will argue. Say I will argue. You see, there are three things that you got to Three attitudes, three postures, three things that you have to have in your mind when you are in a setback situation. First of all, no matter what setback you are in, make up your mind you will maintain your commitment to God. You will maintain your walk with God. You see, Job was in a mega setback, but it didn't stop Job from his commitment to God. He maintained his walk, he maintained his trust, he maintained his confidence, Job made up his mind that my setback is not going to determine any change in my attitude towards God. I will maintain my commitment before God. The new King James Version said, I will defend. See, I will defend. That means that one of the ways to come out of a setback is that you have to defend yourself in the midst of setback against weapons of the enemy like doubt, unbelief, disappointment, discouragement, fear everything the enemy can throw against you you have to have a defense against it because when you are in a setback season you are vulnerable and the only way to sustain yourself is to maintain your commitment and walk in god but also to have a defensive attitude 
And we understand there's a proverb that sometimes the best form of defense is what? Offense or attack. And so the scripture says here that though you slay me, I will maintain my ways before you. And though you slay me, I will defend my way. Satan, don't think just because I am low today, you can take advantage of my vulnerability. Don't even try to take advantage of my weakness because when you get my back against the wall, I'm the most dangerous. I'm going to come and fight it. I will defend everything. I'll defend my faith. I'll defend my mind. I'll defend my heart. I will guard my spirit. I will make no room for you, for you to exploit this situation. When you think about a man called Job, you realize that it didn't matter. Even when the wife said, curse God and die, he said the defense around himself. He said, I'm not going to allow this negative thinking to affect me. I will maintain my ways with God. Then the amplified version said, he argued. Say, I will argue. He said, I will argue even face to face. That is the place of prayer, petition, and intercession. That is the place where you say that the now that I'm going through a setback, it is the more reason to plead my cause before God. This is where I will argue my case before heaven. This is not the place that I try to blame God or run away from God or give up on God. This is where I say I am taking my case. I have prepared my case. All these years I've been in church. I have understood the law. I know my rights. I know my benefits, I know the privileges, and I will lift up my voice unto God, and I will argue my case face to face, not only with God, but against every force and power of darkness, and establish my defense. So somebody give the Lord a clap in the house tonight. So we are talking here, when we go back to the anchor scripture of Psalm 66, you're talking about a man who found himself in a very difficult place. At one point, the psalmist said that you have caused men to ride over me. You have to understand that in, in military parlance, you've got to understand that I wanted to have a picture of somebody who's gone to war. And when the Bible says you have caused men to ride over me, it means not only have I been knocked down and defeated, but the enemy's horses are riding over me. It means I'm totally knocked out. In the midst of all this, the psalm is about God took me out of that knockdown place, the place where men were riding over me with their horses and established me in a wealthy place. In the season when you feel knocked down, when men are riding over you, it's called a setback season. But understand that setback seasons for a Christian need not be a permanent place. A setback is a check to your progress. It is a reverse. It is a temporary defeat. But a time will come when God will give you the grace. And you move from setback to comeback. Amen. And that is what we are talking about in this conference. Where we are believing God to move out from a setback position and bring us back. And I said, when God brings you back, he brings you back better. See how they amen. Now, understand in the book of Galatians, chapter number 5 and verse 7, the Christians were running well in their Christian race. But one setback came and Paul had to ask them, you did run well. Who hindered you that you should not obey the truth? And sometimes there are hindrances that comes your way. And I pray that tonight, God will give us direction. To deal with hindrances in your way. Amen. Say an amen. amen. Uh, are we going to sleep in this house tonight? 
bread of life, charge up yourselves. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Let your aim, you see, let your amen intimidate the devil. <laughs> one, of the th- one, one of the things about warfare, one of the things about battle eh, is intimidation. Yes. It's serious intimidation. Yes. Sometimes you've just got to, by your posture, intimidate the enemy. Oh, yes. And know that you are unbreakable, oh, yes. uncrackable. Yes. You cannot give up. You will not, you will not give in. I mean, you do not roll over. You are determined to run your race and to finish your course. Did I have a hallelujah in the house tonight? So let your enemies be fired. Amen. So it stirs up the anointing within me so we can do what we got to do. So, so Paul said, but you did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? But when God brings you into a comeback season, he's not only returning you to a former state of higher rank or popularity or position or prosperity or success. God will exceed your expectations. And when we look at the story of Job, Job had everything, but he lost everything. And the Bible says he got everything plus interest. Amen. Amen. I wanted to see in your mind that comeback is possible. You serve a comeback God. You serve a God who can take you out of the mighty pit and establish you way above what you could have thought or imagined. I wanted to understand that where you are need not be your permanent station. And even if you're in a good place, God can take you to a better place. And if you're in a better place, God can take you to an awesome place. My God is always improving upon you. He said you go from grace to grace, from strength to strength, from glory to glory. God's uplifting and God's promotion is progressive. Somebody give the Lord a shout in the house tonight. Say an amen. And so Job was a man who went through serious problems. And in the midst of all this, watch this now. In the midst of all this, Job had three friends. And these three friends were supposed to be his helpers. Say helpers. Yeah. Uh, we're back to that word again. Yes. They were supposed to be his helpers. But the first one, Eliphaz, was the kind of helper that sometimes you don't want around you. Eliphaz's whole way of helping Job was a Job. What you are going through, me, me, I've been through it and worse. So what are you talking about? Trying to act as if what Job is going through is not a big deal. Do you know what we have been through? And so instead of understanding that suffering and pain is relative, whether you've been through or not, I'm going through. Whether you think what I'm going through is, is petty or immaterial, you have faced the beast of Ephesus and bigger challenges. It doesn't diminish the reality of my experience. So there are certain helpers who come your way and they don't help you at all. Are you hear what I'm saying? They, they come your way and try to, in fact, in fact, they are trying to act as if they have been through worse things than you, so you have no right to be complaining. Then you have Bildad. Bildad is a kind of helper who just, he doesn't bring any substantive help. They just take the traditional status quo. Oh, Job, you must have seen that that is why you are going through this trouble. Is that all you can tell me? I mean, I'm in trouble. I'm in a mess. And you just give me the standard status quo kind of response. It wasn't something very exciting. That too was supposed to be a kind of helper to Job. Then there was Zophar. Zophar was a man whose attitude was, uh, Job, if you do this, that if you repent, Job, just go and repent. If you repent, everything will be a job. He said, I don't know what to repent about. 
I don't know what I've done that I have to repent. Because understand that Job's affliction didn't come because of sin. Job's affliction came because God wanted to prove that Job was an upright man. And no matter what you brought against Job, Job would not compromise. So, Zophar thought he was helping Job with advice that was not relevant. If you repent, what is there to repent about? I'm not going through this because even when my wife told me curse God and die, I refused. So your advice may sound nice, but quite frankly, it is not relevant to my situation. How many of you have met people like that, those kind of friends? Amen? And they mean well. And when you are in a pit and in a setback season, you're going to have all kinds of characters who will come and try to give you uh, advice. They'll try to, in their own, try to use their own experience to help you out. But sometimes where you are is so deep. The situation you are in is such a mess that you know that it's good that you have friends. And we thank God. But you know what tonight is about? You see, the Bible described them as friends. For purposes of our, our session tonight, I call them helpers. Amen? These friends, is that what a friend is supposed to be? A true friend is one who starts with you in time of trouble. So whilst the Bible refers to them as friends, technically they were supposed to be helpless. But unfortunately, in this particular case, their helping anointing was not effective. Because it was totally irrelevant. They had missed it with God because they, they hadn't bought in to understand the real reason behind the trial. And sometimes when you have the wrong kind of helpers, who are trying to help you, not based on their understanding of what God is doing in your life, but by their own presumptions and assumptions, because of experiences they've been through. Maybe you've been through a worse situation, but you didn't go through the worst situation because of your righteousness. You went through a worse situation because you messed up big time, and God decided to just smack you. Are you hear what I'm saying? You were a naughty boy, and God just slapped your wrist a little bit. The Bible said, behold, both the severity and the goodness of God. God is good, but God can also be severe. The Bible says, if a father loves a son, you do what? You discipline, you chastise the son. So the fact that you'll be through something worse than me doesn't mean that the reason why you're going through yours and the reason why I'm going through mine are the same. And if you don't understand why the person is going through it, you might give advice that sounds good, but it's the wrong advice. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because your advice must be something that addresses the genesis and the core of the problem. So when you have a setback, the setback can either drive you away from God or it can drive you closer to God. And yet in the midst of all this, Job said, I will trust God. Say, I will trust God. He said, even if it is God slaying me, I will trust God. Regardless of the setback, I'll keep trusting God. No matter what you take from me, God, I will still trust you. No matter what I suffer, I will trust you. No matter what you do to me, I will trust you. No matter how you allow the enemy to come against me and my family, I will trust you. You've taken my sons and my daughters, I will trust you. You've taken my cattle, my sheep and oxen, I will trust you. You've taken my health away, I will trust you. And even if you slay me, though this other man will perish, even my soul shall continue to trust you. Oh, somebody, give the Lord a clap in the house tonight the key to a comeback from a setback is to maintain your trust in God 
Say an amen. When you lose that trust, you are undermining anything that God wants to do in your life to bring you from setback to comeback. Because trust is an outward display and working of faith. Trust is putting your absolute confidence in God that no matter how bad it gets, you are not serving God in vain. See, the Bible says some serve God that have eyes that cannot see, ears that don't hear, hands that cannot perform anything. But the God you serve, he said, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Can you give that God a clap in the house tonight? That's the God you serve. Say an amen. Now go to Job 42. Job chapter number 42. Let's read from verse 10. Let me bring the curtains down. Today we're not doing too much work. Amen. Job 42. From verse 10. Remember the helpers of Job? The three friends. Remember them. All right. Job 42 from verse 10. I'm going to read from verse 10 to verse 17. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job. May the Lord turn your captivity around. May the Lord put a smile and a laughter in your spirit. May God give you cause to laugh. May your enemies behold your turn around and give God glory in your life. Oh, somebody give the Lord a praise in the house. The Lord turned the captivity of Job when he did what? He prayed for who? His friends. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then came there unto him all his brethren. I find this very funny. Then came there unto him all his brethren and all his sisters and all they that had been his acquaintance before and did eat bread with him in his house and they bemoaned him and comforted him over all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. Every man also gave him a piece of money and everyone an earring of gold. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and a thousand yoke of oxen and a thousand she asses. He had also seven sons and seven daughters and three daughters. And he called the name of the first Jemima. And the sec and the name of the second was Kezia. And the name of the third was Karen Hapak. And in all the land were no women found so fair as the daughters of Job. And their father gave them inheritance amongst their brethren. After this lived Job a hundred and forty years, and saw his sons and his son's sons even four generations yeah. so job died being old and full of days oh you know so just give the lord a clap just for what he did for job just for what he did for job i mean this man lived long considering that the enemy had done everything to take him out afflicted him with everything he could afflict could, but you see this is what the Lord said the Lord says you can touch his body but as for his life don't try it doesn't matter what the enemy throws against you if God says your time hasn't come if God puts a restriction and an embargo on the enemy it is God that determines the boundaries of how far the enemy can go listen to me there are two things that will determine how far the enemy can go one is God two is yourself sometimes 
God draws the line here. But by your own doings, by your own words, you open that door and give the enemy more room than God wants him to have. Are you hear what I'm saying? But the Bible said God had told Satan. He said you can touch his flesh. But as for his life, it's not for you. And God extended the life of Job so that for a man who lost all his children, the Bible said he lived not only to give birth to ten, the ten grew up, they married, and he saw four generations. Oh my God, what can God do for a man? Are you hear what I'm saying? Now, now, what's this? That I don't know how old Job was when he went through his affliction. But the Bible says he was 140 years. So imagine that out of the 140 years, he must have been somewhere along the 140 years before he went through the affliction. How long the affliction left where, uh, happened, we don't know. But what I'm trying to tell you is that in the remaining years, in the remaining years, he saw four generations of children. Now think about it. If you give birth today, and your child gives birth, how long must you even live to be blessed not to see your grandchildren? Let alone your great-grandchildren. The Bible says in that short period, these are not generations from the first set of children he had. This is after his trial. And yet in that short space of time, God so blessed his offspring that in a very short time, four generations of children were born to Job. I want you to understand the magnitude of his comeback. God would have done enough to just give him back children. God would have done enough to give him grandchildren. But for God to make this man live out of the 140 years, how much he had lived before the trials, how much he spent in the trials, what was left? God allowed him to see four generations of children. Listen, with God, nothing shall be impossible. I'm trying to encourage you tonight. I said, with God, when it looks like, Lord, there isn't enough time. I know you can do it. But, Lord, there isn't enough time. I was speaking to somebody today, and the person said to me, she wants to retire by the age of 60. I said, how old are you? She said, I'm 56. The bishop, I've only got four years. I said, four years is plenty time for God. It's plenty time for God to turn your situation around. God can in one day turn your circumstance around. Are you hear what I'm saying? One day, just one moment of time, and all of a sudden, you come into a breakthrough that is running by itself, and you have no control over the situation. You are just increasing and increasing. Oh, come on. Somebody give the Lord a shout in the house. Think of people who are living off royalties. <laughs> one moment. God can give you one song. And it can become a hit. And before you know what. The thing is just opening up and your cities and your music is all over the world and you are getting platinum oh come on i mean god can do it in a moment your business can be suffering it would just take one moment one helper one sanction one open all of a sudden your brand has become a household name god can do it in a very short time give the lord a clap in the house today but watch this now the bible says 
And the Lord turned the captivity of Job around when he did what? He prayed, no, he, not just, he didn't just pray, but he did what? He prayed for his friends. Now I told you we are using the word friends there for helpers. These friends were supposed to be his helpers, comforters, advisors. They were supposed to be his helpers. But the helpers were useless helpers. Not every helper in your life will bring fruitfulness in your life. So watch this now. God had to quicken Job. He said, Job, <laughs> I work through helpers. And you have to understand something. That these helpers have appointed to you, they don't even understand their role and function. So you better pray for them. That they will be empowered. That the reason for which they must be in your life will open up some channels for you. So when Job began to now pray for his helpers, something happened. The captivity, the Bible doesn't tell us how it happened. All I know is that God made him pray for his helpers. And the moment he prayed for his helpers, his captivity was turned around. Oh, tonight we'll pray for our helpers. That's my sermon tonight. Tonight you're going to pray for your helpers. And whether even if they are useless right now, for your sake, God should empower them. If they are broke, nickel busted, if they must become billionaires tomorrow so they can help you, whatever job they are doing, God should prosper them. If they lack wisdom and are foolish, but they must be your helpers in life, God give them the wisdom they need. If they are bound by the enemy and circumstances for the sake of my advancement and progress, let my appointed helpers be released for your glory. Oh, somebody give the Lord a shout in the house tonight. Now, now watch something unfold here. The Bible tells me that Job then, after he had lost all his children, the Bible says, when God turned his life around, let's read it again. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, say also. also. The Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Now, this is not the end of it. You've got to understand something. The Lord turned the captivity of Job. One blessing. The Lord gave to Job what? Twice as much. Another blessing. But look at the blessing that came after. Verse 11 says, Then came there unto him all his brethren and his sisters, and they that had been his acquaintance before. And they ate bread with him in his house. They bemoaned and comforted him. Where were all these people when he needed help? Jesus. Where were they? But when God turns your captivity around, even those who didn't help you will come to be your help. And the scripture says, not only did they come to eat bread with him, bemoan him, comfort him over all the evil that, they had, that the Lord had brought upon him. The Bible says, every man also gave unto him a piece of money. So God has turned my captivity around. One level. God has given me twice what I left. Another level. Now God has appointed men who should have helped me at the time that I was going through my troubles. But they withheld the help 
The Bible says all of a sudden, all these hidden helpers. Why? Because Job prayed for his friends to be released. See, are you hear what I'm saying? Yes. So the Bible said that Job's captivity was turned around when he prayed for his friends. And was it the red, red friends there is helpers? It wasn't just the three. It wasn't just Elias and Zophar and Bildad. It wasn't just the three. That means everybody who was a secret hidden helper suddenly showed up. And the Bible said they came and gave him money and everyone gave him an earring of gold. There are certain people who should be helping you in your time of trouble. But they look at your trouble, we don't want to associate with him in case we catch whatever cares they have. And so they are hidden and they are in a certain place. But when God turns your situation around, when God decides to bring you from setback to come back, everyone should have helped you in your mess will still come and help you even in your abundance oh somebody give the lord some glory in the house tonight am i blessing you so far now the bible says then that he had seven sons and three daughters and the scriptures goes on to focus the light on the daughters say hmm <laughs> see i'm a very i'm a very curious person I like to interrogate the Holy Spirit. I like to give me some understanding because some certain things just stick out. I think, God, what's, what's going on here? You know, because watch this. When you read the genesis of the story of Job, the focus was not on the daughters. The focus was on the sons. How the sons would go out and party and Job would be praying for them. But at the end of the story, the focus is not on the sons. It's the names of the daughters that are mentioned. Yes. Are you hear what I'm saying? Yes. Mm. And, and I'm thinking, Lord, what, what is this about? What, what, what are you trying to tell us? And that immediately tells us that there is something God is trying to communicate through the mention of the names of the daughters. Why didn't the Lord just leave it that and Job had seven sons and three daughters? But the Bible is silent on the names of the sons and the Bible and he called the first one Jemima. Say Jemima. And that's why I begin to become very suspicious of God. Because <laughs> nothing happens in the Bible by mistake. So immediately I'm thinking, Lord, why? And let me tell you something. The reason why the Lord gave the names of the daughters is because God is trying to show you what a comeback looks like. Are you hear what I'm saying? When Job named the daughters, every name he gave his daughter was symbolic. It was supposed to be a memorial. Every time Jemima is mentioned, every time Kezia is mentioned, every time Karen Hapak is mentioned, it was a reminder about something not only to Job, but for everyone who is going through a Job situation, that when your comeback comes, it must look like this. Oh, give the Lord a clap. Are you clapping for the Lord? <laughs> so the first daughter Job gives her the name Jemima Jemima means day it also means dove are you hear what I'm saying <laughs> Jemima means day it also means what dove so my understanding is this when Job's captivity was turned around this is how it's going to be for you this is how it must be for you when Job's captivity was turned around, he mentioned or he called his first daughter Jemima day. Why day? Because Job 
would have had in mind. The word of the Lord says, weeping is for the night, but joy comes what? In the morning. So when Job named the first daughter Jemima, which means day, and it can also mean peace, Job was saying that this is how a, set, a turn around from setback to comeback is. That one moment you're in night season, one moment you're in darkness, one moment everything is dark around you, but when God turns it around, it's like the light has come on. It's like everything is bright, everything is glorious. And every time he will see Jemima, it reminds him how God has brought daylight and joy into his life. His weeping seasons are behind him, and now he's basking in the, in the glorious grace of the Lord. Somebody put your hands together and give the Lord some praise. Now the word doesn't just mean Jemima. The word day means day by day. Day by day. So it is a cycle of daytime. That means the glory. And watch this now. It means watch this. It means day and it also means dark. And dark is not just a symbol of the Holy Ghost. It's a symbol of peace. So when Job gave birth to his first daughter, he says, my goodness, my life now is that I'm living in a perpetual cycle of day by day peace. Every day, every day, every day, every day, peace is running in a cycle over my life. The days of torment and sorrow and pain are behind me. Jemima, let it be a remembrance that when God tells your setback to come back, your blessing is day by day by day. Oh, somebody give the Lord a clap in the house today. The word Kezia is sometimes used as Cassia. Cassia is one of the fragrances that the wise men brought to Jesus. Cassia is a sweet fragrance. It's one of those amazing perfumes. Are you hear what I'm saying? And so Kezia or Cassia represents the sweetness, the sweet fragrance of God. Now, when, when Jacob was being blessed by his father Isaac, even though it was by stealth, the Bible said, Isaac went close and he smelled Jacob. I said, mm, the scent on you is like the scent of the fields that the Lord has blessed. Hallelujah. Watch this now. Watch this. Go to Genesis 27. I want to show you something. Genesis 27 from verse 27. We'll pray in a moment. Genesis 27, 27. We'll from verse 27 to 29. I want you to see something in here because you've got to understand this dimension of God's turnaround in your life. Say an amen. amen. You need the day-to-day -day peace of God in your life. That is the first sign that God has turned you and uh, your captivity around and brought you out of a pit into a wealthy place. You can have all the riches in the world. If you don't have peace, forget it. Yes. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. You can be a billionaire if you don't have peace. Forget it. You can rise to become president if you don't have peace. Forget it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now watch this now. Job 27 from verse 27 to 29. And he came near, that is Jacob, came near to Isaac and kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. What does the word, next word say? Oh, come on, talk to me. Verse 28, what does it say? Therefore, hold it there, Silah. Hold it there. Therefore, means that what is about to happen 
is based on what has just happened before. In other words, because I have smelled the scent of the blessing of the Lord upon my on your life, it says, therefore, God give thee of the dew of heaven. In other words, when the father smelled him and said, ah, the scent of fields that the Lord has blessed is upon your life. Now I have permission to open my mouth and begin to pronounce blessing upon you. Amen. You see, sometimes people must smell something on you to release some things on you. Oh, yes. hmm. People must sense favor around you to release favor to you. People must sense that you are blessed. You carry something upon you for them to release some things upon you. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Labor with all his stiff nakedness and hardness. When he realized that Jacob, since you came here, I have been blessed. At some point, whether he liked it or not, he had to release something to Jacob. And God took that thing and turned it around. Let me tell you, let me tell you, let me put it this way. When people smell that fragrance on you, when people smell that blessing on you, they invest in you. Because they know you are good fields. Do you understand what I'm saying? He said, your, your life is like the scent that the Lord has blessed. So if I'm a farmer with seed, and I'm looking for a, a, a field to sow in, will I go and sow in a seed that carries the fragrance of God's blessing? Or will I go and sow into a field that has deadness in it? You see, the aroma spiritually around you determines how people invest in your life. So when Job gave birth to his daughter, Kesia, the second daughter, he gave her the name Kesia. He said that when I see you, God has removed the stench of decaying flesh. My bones, my skin was rotten. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There were boils all over me. The aroma around me in the room wasn't very nice. But when God turned my captivity around, and now everybody comes around, they smell this sweetness, they began to bring their gold earring. They began to sow into my life. And through that, I've become a blessing. May you enter a Kezia season in your life. So watch this now. The Bible says, the Bible says, and he came here and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his raiment, and blessed him and said, see, the smell of my son, is as the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, God give thee of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty corn and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brethren and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Curse be everyone that curses you and blessed be he that blesses you. When the aroma of God's blessing is upon your life, people will bless you. And when people bless you, they shall be blessed. And when they are blessed, they will sow into your life again. Are you hear what I'm saying? When that aroma is also around your life, if people curse you, they shall be cursed. When the aroma is around your life, anybody who tries to curse you, he says, therefore, in other words, because I have smelled this around your life, Cares be everyone that cares you. Anyone that will try to throw rottenness to defile the aroma of God around you, may God fling it back to them and let it be a curse back onto them. You, I'm trying to make you understand what it means 
when God brings you into a wealthy place, when God digs you out of the pit and turns your captivity around, it's not just money that he gives you, it's what he puts upon your life. It's how people see you and they invest in you and those that curse you, whether things are not going well for them, but those that bless you, whether my God, the more I bless them, the more I prosper. Somebody give the Lord a shout in the house today. The third one, Karen Harper. That one is an interesting name. Without going into too much depth of Hebrew, the name Karen Harper is what they call the Horn of Antimony, but let's, let's bring it down to everyday English. The Horn of Antimony was basically a bowl. In those days, some of these bowls were made out of ram's horns and stuff like that. And it contained cosmetics, say cosmetics. In other words, it was a container of cosmetics of the things that you women used to beautify themselves. If you look at those days, they used to wear this, they call it cold, this thick black mascara and exaggerate their eyes to make it, you know, that is what that was called for. In other words, the symbolism of that is this. When the Lord turns your, your, your captivity around, God beautifies you. The Bible says, he has made all things beautiful in its time. When the time for your comeback, when the come time for your turnaround comes, God himself will put cosmetic. God will beautify it. All the, all the things that happen to you and you are looking some way. When the glory of God comes upon you, you begin to grow. You begin to look beautiful. Glory has beautified your life. Everything you touch is beautiful. Everything you touch becomes gold. Everything you add your voice to is beautiful. The Lord will perfect and beautify that which God is somebody saying an amen in the house tonight so in this part of scripture God did not remain quiet when it came to the issue of Job God didn't remain quiet God says I gave him seven children but I want to show you that out of the three daughters their name was a reflection of what it is like when I move from setback to come back. Amen. Why am I sharing this with you? I'm sharing this with you for you to understand that when you pray for your helpers and God uses that to bring a turn around, this must be your expectation. Say amen. amen. Your peace must be day by day. Amen. The aroma around your life must attract investors into your life. God must beautify everything that concerns you, your business, your family, your health. Everything around you must become beautiful. God wants your glory to manifest so men can give him the glory. Somebody put your hands together and give the Lord a praise. So when I talk about praying for helpers, what are the helpers we are talking about? I'm going to run through a few very quickly and then we'll start praying for them. Amen? Amen? We need to pray that God will bring some powerful helpers your way. Yeah. Now, if I tell you to pray for helpers, you just say, Lord, send me helper. Lord, send me helper. I guarantee you in three minutes' time, you would have finished praying. Is that not right? Yes. And then you will try to call me by praying in some kind of tongue, some way, you know, like, but you know, at the end of the day, you are not really going anywhere. So let us, let us be intentionally specific. 
about the kind of helpers we need and the helpers we want to pray for. Because, like I said, not every helper is useful. Amen? Amen. If your helpers are at the level where Eliphaz and Zohar and uh, Bildad were, these were not helpers. These were, these were wasting time. Until God must have touched the heart of Joseph Job, you better pray for your helpers. Pray for them. Because these guys, they are just wasting space and time. And he lifted up his voice. And he prayed for his friends. And not only did the three, the prayers for the three turned the situation around, but he did help us begin to materialize. They started coming. They started coming to comfort him, to eat bread with him, to give him money, to give them gold earring. Somebody's prayer summoned the helpers from somewhere. Tonight, may your prayers summon from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Whether they are in Timbuktu or China or Guinea-Bissau or wherever they are, North Korea, wherever they are, they must manifest in your life. Oh, give the Lord a clap in the house. One level of helper you need is a helper that will connect you. How many of you need a connection? Yeah, you need a connection. You got to be connected. You need a divine connector. Are you hear what I'm saying? So if you're going to be the Lord, release my divine connectors. Somebody who hooked me up to where I need to get what I need to get. The Bible talks about a general, a whole general in the army of the Syrians, Neymar, a great general, but he was a leper. This man had an issue. He had leprosy. It took a little slave girl to hook him up to the prophet for him to get his healing. Somewhere, and you see a general but the person who helped him was not a general, was not at his level. A little slave girl. You will never know who God will use to hook you up to the right person. You need your divine connectors to show up. Oh, somebody give the Lord a clap. That's one level. The other kind of helper you need is a person in authority, like a king. You understand? You need somebody who can hook you up and set you up where you ought to be. Look at King David and Mephibosheth. It took a king to reach out and send for Mephibosheth to bring him from the place of setback to a comeback place for him to sit at the table, a wealthy table of a king to eat. Pharaoh, with all his negativity, God used Pharaoh to bring Joseph out of a setback and the Bible says, I have set you over. Oh my God. I have set you over everything in the land of Egypt except my throne. But apart from my throne, Joseph, I am set you over. Pharaoh became a divine connector to bring Joseph out of the pits into a wealthy place where he controlled all the land. Amen. You need a kingly gatekeeper you need a gatekeeper of nations you need a political figure you need somebody in authority somebody who will just speak one word and your destiny to, do, do, is there anybody who needs that kind of grace in this house yeah yeah so you have to be very intentional about your prayers he says see i have set thee over the land of egypt this is not an ordinary person so in the first one it was just an ordinary slave girl in this one, it was somebody a high, the highest ranking officer 
He said, I have set you over this land. See an amen. The other kind of help you need is people who are gifted and talented. Gifted people. When Saul was going through his affliction, he said, is there no one? They said, ah, we know one Bethlehemite, the son of Jesse. The guy is gifted. And when he came and he played the harp, the demonic oppression on Saul was released. God must bring a gifted helper into your life at the right time. Amen. 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 It's so, you see, when, I, when we talk about helper, it's not just a word, a general word that covers all. You have to be intentional. I hope you're writing this. Down. And when you go, when you pray, Lord, release my divine connectors. Give me helpers from the highest offices. Bring gifted men. Whether spiritual gifts, natural talent, skills, ability, let somebody's gift help me. Do you know that God can heal you yes. miraculously? Yes. But sometimes God chooses not to do so. And we use a gifted doctor. And not all doctors are gifted to solve your problem. Yes. There are some sicknesses you go to a doctor, you tell him it's malaria. Meanwhile, the thing is cancer. Yes. He doesn't have the ability, he doesn't see. Mm. Lord, send me gifted people. Amen. That whatever I'm going through, they have the gifts, the talent, the skill, the ability. Are you hear what I'm saying? To help me get to where I need to get to a wealthy place in life. Oh, give the Lord a clap in the house. See, so far, listen to me, listen. Let me tell you the track I'm on. You want to deal with witches and demons? You've been doing that all the time. I am bringing a balance to something. The acts of warfare, we started yesterday, We'll do it today and we'll continue tomorrow. You see? But don't also take your eyes off the fact that once you are dealing with the enemy, you have to also release some things in your life. You see? The problem we do is we try to put the enemy in check, but we don't release the blessing. That is why Jesus said, listen, if you kick a strong man out of the house and you don't fill that house with something, that spirit will come back with seven spirits even more wicked than itself. Yeah. When the evil spirit that has been fighting your wealthy place comes back around that God has positioned strategic divine connectors and helpers there, they cannot operate because something is in the place and it doesn't matter. Now the battle is not yours anymore. Yes. Now anytime a battle or a situation comes, there are strategic positions and helpers position all around you and every challenge you have there is somebody there ready to come to your help yes. give the lord a clap that's what we are talking about that's what we are talking about amen the other kind of helper god must give you are bedding carriers bedding carriers people who care about you enough to carry your bedding with you even jesus needed bedding carriers he had disciples and when the pressure got rough and some of the disciples were leaving him, he turned to him and said, will you also go? He said, how can we go? With you is a word of life. We are here to carry it with you. No matter how bad it gets, Lord Jesus, we are with you. We are carrying it with you. And you hear what I'm saying? You need bearing bearers in your life. Not everybody, listen to me, not everybody can produce a gift. Not everybody can connect you. But there are some people who can carry your burden with you. Yes. Even if all they're doing is just listening 
just listening a trusted ear somebody you can pour out to and they may not be able to hook you up connect you or do anything but they are just there to bear your burden with you a burden bearer is also like an intercessor they carry you in prayer and when you cannot do anything when you feel you are in a pit and you need to get out and you know how to get out a bedding bearer is carrying you in prayer lord every intercessor that must be praying for me release a fresh anointing upon them let them rise up in prayer give them no sleep at night and let them arise and intercede on my behalf somebody give the lord a clap in the house today The other kind of helper you should never overlook. I call them ladder holders. Ladder holders. You can call them rope holders, whatever it is. You see, I, I have in mind when the spies came to spy the land and the bastards were hidden in the roof. When the enemy came, they were let down the window for an escape. A rope, a cloth was tied. Later, I said, leave this red cloth here. It will be the sign. When we come against the land, when we see this, we'll remember that you helped us by letting us down. Are you hear what I'm saying? When, when Paul, Paul also was in a fix. And somebody also helped him down in a basket. Where there's a basket, a letter, a rope, you get the idea. There is somebody who is holding something for you, for you to be able to make an escape. That person too is a helper. Wherever they, wherever they are, God should bring them. Amen. Say an amen. amen. God should, these are people who, who create ways for you to escape. They establish an escape route for you. So that when you are in a tight corner, these are the people who make sure that some way, somehow, the enemy will not get you. Can you put your hands together for the Lord? Amen. We'll pray in a minute. I'm giving you these points, but I'm going to pray on them. The next two are very key. The next two. One of the most important helpers you need in your life is the man of God. Yeah. The man of God. The man of God. May God give you pastors after your own heart. May God anoint your pastor with everything he requires or she requires to be able to meet your need. Look at this. A man was chasing donkeys. A man was chasing donkeys and he met a man of God, a prophet Samuel. He went from donkey chaser to king, just like that. The man of God helped propel him to his real destiny and assignment. From a donkey chaser to a king. Don't underestimate the place of a man or woman of God in your life. Don't underestimate it. Pray for your pastor. Pray that they will be equipped empowered to do whatever they have to do to get you out of that pit are you hearing why do you care about this conference i'm here because your pastor believes the word i have to bring for this conference will help you come out of the pit amen so a man of god is very key in your life see an amen. amen are you ready for the next one yeah. the next one is very interesting this is the one that i said this one might throw you you know one of the biggest helpers you need should i tell you Pastor, I'm going to pray this for you. This helper, you need him. Or you need her. It is an uncommon enemy. Yeah. 
everyone here you need an uncommon enemy to pray into your life he said bishop this one this this is a strange this is this is this is a strange one this is a very very this one bishop we, we have to think twice because I, this one my spirit doesn't really catch it i don't get it listen to me remember what i told you yesterday i told you that amongst the 12 helpers there were two helpers one was called peter and one was called what? judas and the lord said to these two helpers it's a peter satan has sought to sift you like wheat but i pray for you then he said to the other helper judas he said whatever you have to do go and do it quickly sometimes your enemy strategy is advancing god's plan for your life no, if judas hadn't betrayed jesus that's what the bible said it was meant for evil that's why listen i didn't say pray for all your enemies i said uncommon enemy an enemy whose plan against you is actually feathering the purpose of god for your life haven't you been in a situation where had it not been for the trap they set for you you would not have entered that promotion hmm. but, but you see when you tell people that you need an uncommon enemy it's like oh no, no, no. I just, I just killed the meeting. I just killed it. All the anointing the choir had. But the moment I said that, I killed it. But now I begin to actually come to think about it. When I look at my life, some of my promotion and elevation has come on the back of major, major enemy activity. Then he says, "Wow, had this person not set me up this way, this matter wouldn't have come back for me to be vindicated." For people to see the caliber of person I am. You see, you need an uncommon enemy. Jesus, he said, Lord, who will betray you? He said, the one that will dip. And when it happens, he said, now, the thing you have to do, go and do good. I am waiting for you. My success, my next move, depends on you going to betray me. If you delay the betrayal, you are holding back God's purposes. So go quickly. And execute your evil device because it will turn for my good. That is a helper you need. There is a helper whose evil devices will advance. Oh, somebody give the law. <laughs> is that a good one? You need an uncommon mentor. Like Elijah needed Elijah. You need disciples and baptisms. I mean followers. People who believe in your vision. And this not just surpasses only. You are setting up a business, you need people who believe in the vision for your business. Your staff must believe in you and follow you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Listen, I can go on and on and on about the criteria of helpers we need. But for the sake of time, let's take what we have and begin to lift up our voice and call upon heaven. The Lord God, let there be a manifestation. We are calling them from wherever they are. That is what this breakout conference must be. We are calling our helpers. We are summoning them. As for the enemies that put us there, we can deal with them. We are dealing with them constantly. But there's no point dealing with the enemy and not calling in the harvest. Or not calling in the helpers. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Bible says you will what? 
pull down, tear down, break down. You do all those, but after you plan, then you build. And I'm assuming that a lot of pulling down and tearing down has happened in the body of Christ. It's now time to Lord, I need my helpers. I need someone who hook me up and connect me up. I need somebody who just become instrumental in your purposes. Because watch this, nobody has done anything for God without God using somebody. Nobody. Nobody. God will always use somebody. Even Saul of Tarsus. When he got blind, God had to get someone to pray for him, for his blindness to fall, and then fill him with the Holy Ghost. Everybody needs somebody to be able to get to where you got to go to. You need somebody who will hold the ladder for you to climb or hold the rope for you to escape. You need a helper in life. Do you have people who need helpers? Tonight, let's pray for the release of helpers. You may not like your helper. Your helper may not come packaged the way you want. What is this small uh, 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 maid that I caught in captivity? What can they do for me? It will amaze you. It will surprise you. That the Bible says, have you seen how God doesn't always use the noble <laughs> and even the rich and the honored, but he uses the foolish things to confound the wise? Sometimes that person you think is a nobody is the very person that God will use to turn your situation around. Are you hear what I'm saying? Tonight, let us pray. Say an amen. amen. But stand on your feet tonight and put your hands together for the Lord. Have you been blessed? Yes. All right. Give the Lord a clap in the house. Come, on, come and back me up. Come and back me up. Let's enter a brief moment of worship and then we get into prayer. Say an amen. God is real. And it is only God who can turn your captivity around. And those that God has appointed to be your helpers. The Bible says, Cast is the man that lean on man. But when you lean on God and God gives you the helpers, even though your helpings will be men, they are men appointed by God. Say an amen. But you need to pray for your helpers. Not just tonight, but make it a habit. Whack the enemy in three hours bombardment of warfare. Then take about another one, two hours and pray for your helpers to come. Get a balance in your prayer. Are you hear what I'm saying? And as you do this, something will begin to break in your life. See an amen. Lift up your voice quite just take us into the presence. Oh yes Lord. Thank you Jesus.
your help. He is your helper. Ebenezer, the rock of our help.
Say Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. Say Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. Tonight. Tonight. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I ask. I ask. Every divine connection. Every divine connection. Divine connector. Divine any helper. Any helper. That must link me. That must link to my wealthy place. Wherever they are. Wherever they are. Whatever state. Whatever circumstance. Whatever circumstance. Whatever condition. Whatever condition. As I clap. As I clap. And I pray. And I pray. I release them. I release them. I call them. I call them. Into my life. I position them. Strategically. And apart from cross. Lift up your voice and begin to pray. Begin to pray. Commander release. Commander release. Divine connectors. Divine connectors. Pray, pray. Divine connectors. Let them be released. Wherever they are. Even if they are captives. Even if they are slaves. Even if they are powerful. Let them be loose. Let them be loose. Let them be loose. Let them be released. Let them be a voice. We release them into your life. Let your past be. Let destiny. Arrange an appointment between you and them. Come on, pray, pray, pray. Let the king 
I want to take you, take the hand of two people. In other words, have three, 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 triangles of three. So join two people, triangles of three. No, three, there's more than three. Yeah, three in threes, not across, just three. Not four, not two, threes. Threes. Threes, let's do it quickly. Three. Three. Triangles of three. Now face each other, form like a circle. They're going to pray for each other. The person who is holding your hand is your helper. And you are the helper to whoever's hand you are holding. Say amen. amen. Yeah. In threes. In threes. In threes. This is what I want you to do. The two people whose hand you are holding, you are going to pray for them. That God should release into their life every helper that must be instrumental in bringing them to a wealthy place. Whilst you are praying for them, you are activating the anointing of a helper within you. And as you do that for one another, you are birthing something in the spirit for one another. Say an amen. Now lift up your voice and begin to pray. Pray for divine connectors. Pray for gifted people. Pray for ladder holders. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray that burden bearers will come into their life at the right time. In the right seasons of their life. Burden bearers. People who carry their burdens with them. And let the person you are holding feel you are praying for them. Let them really feel your prayer. So they too will be charged to pray for you. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Someone that gifted into their life. Call for men and women of influence in strategic places, in academic institutions, political circles, financial marketplace. Pray. Pray. God should connect them to the right people. Pray that they will enter a wealthy place in life. You are a helper. The anointing of a helper is in you. Help the person through prayer. Release prayer. Charge their spirit. Speak into their life. If you can't pray in tongues, speak blessings over them. Release God's word over their life. Declare they shall be blessed. Call their helpers into their life. Summon them into them. Tomorrow let them testify that the prayers you prayed with them has brought them to a wealthy place. Three more minutes pray.
Tonight you are doing the work. The work of a helper. Activate that grace. Push it. So when I say pray for that person, it's not even a matter for their good. It is so that your captivity will turn around. So when you are praying for them, pray for them. Say an amen. Because in your prayer for them, God is also turning something around in your life. Say an amen. The next prayer I'm going to pray for them is this. Anyone that must be a ladder holder in their life to offer an escape route. Sometimes you need people who come in to help you. And people who help you to get out. There are some people who must help you get out of a mess. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. We don't know whether the person you are holding is in a messy place today. Or will be in a messy place tomorrow. But we are taking out a divine insurance. That they will not be contained nor restrained nor limited in any situation where there is no escape. They are going to lift up your voice today. The Lord God. Whenever the enemy sets a trap for them, whenever they find themselves back into a corner, when it looks like there's no way of escape, let a helper show up in their life. Somebody who will open the prison door for them. Somebody who will open the window of escape. Somebody who will let them down in a basket. Somebody who will extend a red rope for them to climb down. Lift up your voice and begin to pray. Begin to pray. Pray and escape. As you pray for your friend, your own escape is being engineered by God. Pray. 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 And escape. And escape. And escape. Paul had to be lowered in a basket. The spies had to be lowered by a rope. Children. 
speak over their lives make pronouncements activate the anointing of a helper upon your life stand as a man of one of God with them pray like how you like your pastor to pray for you emulate the anointing of the house One more minute. In Jesus' name. Change partners. Change partners. Find somebody else. Change we, are, we are doing something intentional. Sometimes we become too predictable in how we do our programs. We have to change it and mix it. Confuse the enemy. See an amen. This prayer point, you are praying for the person. The Bible said, and the Lord and Job received twice all that he had lost. We want to pray. Whoever you are holding. You are praying that whatever they have lost, may God recompense them. May the spirit of restoration come upon them. Let them come into divine recovery. Lift up your voice and begin to pray for your partner. Pray for the past. Pray for restoration. Pray for double recovery. Pray that their latter will be greater than their former. Pray the spirit of Jemima. Pray the spirit of Kezia. Pray the spirit of Karen Hapa upon their life. Pray. Pray that the beauty of the Lord shall adorn their ways. Pray that peace shall be their portion. Pray that their life will carry the scent of the fields that the Lord has blessed. Pray.
in Jesus' name. Put your hands together for the Lord. Give the Lord a clap. Give me. Clap, clap for the Lord. said four years is too much time for God to turn your captivity around and to bring you into your worthy place. Hallelujah.